Oh, the rust. We'll be knocking it off most of this entire podcast. So, James, it's been a few weeks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good today. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we, we've had some stuff going on, so... Uh, yeah, stuff I, I and think, nonsense. I think it's one of those episodes where we, again, just go, we're back! Hey! <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah, but how have you been? Everything good? Yeah, actually. Work's pretty good. Home's pretty good. Stuff's uh, moving slowly like it should, you know. Sounds good, man. And uh, we, and we got to watch this. Oh, actually, yes, 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 yes. And and you got to watch it on the big screen, presumably. Indeed, I did. Oh, I'm I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of me too. Internet after what three years? <sighs> Welcome to the computer age, James. <laughs> yep the the information superhighway is now at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. In the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-two. <laughs> The, the poor people at the place where I buy my discs at are going to be sad because now I can watch online instead of having to go purchase the movie of the week. Yeah, you just go in and throw them at them. Mm-hmm. Like, Here, you can fucking have these back. <laughs> Reach over the counter and slap one of them. Just feel nice and triumphant. They're all confused, and I'm just like, <laughs> fuck all of you. I've got internet. Boom. <laughs> Strutting out to a white stripe song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, on that note, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit. We talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm James Marino. I'm another one of your hosts. Woo, and we got a rocking good episode for Indeed we did. I don't know, it might be dog shit, but... Nah, nah. Um, yeah, it'll be fine. There's shit uh, to talk about. Alright. We're talking about Transylvania 65000. Mm-hmm. Or, if you prefer, Transylvania 6... <laughs> 5,000. Transylvania 6. Ooh. <laughs> it's a thematically similar but legally distinct Danny Elfman. Goddamn right. 1985. Transylvania 6, 5,000. Close as you could sound to Oingo Boingo without actually being them. Written and directed by Rudy DeLuca. And I'm going to really have to abridge this cast listing. But uh, Mm -hmm. we'll just say Jeff Goldblum as Jack Harrison. Ed Begley Jr. as Gil Turner. Joey Baloney as Dollar Malavacqua. John Biner as Radu. And Carol Kane as Loopy. Mm -hmm. All right. So, James. Yes. Knowing, I'm gonna, I know the answer to the question that I always ask you. But I want to preface this by saying... This film has a Metacritic score of 10 mm-hmm. out of 100. Wow. So, mm-hmm. I think perhaps our tastes are dog shit. Because, James, yes. how did you like Transylvania 6-5000? I enjoyed the fuck out of it. It's the best! Oh my god. It has, it has so much shit that I love in one spot. Yep. Just any kind of shtick you've ever wanted to see from like 1940 to now, they stuck it in there. Oh, it is fucking sublime. They, they made a slapstick Transylvania monster movie where they just crammed everything into being Transylvanian lore. It's mm-hmm. the best. Oh, yes, it is. And it's got that phase where we still were like 
pushing Jeff Goldblum as this major sex symbol, yeah, which, man, do I always appreciate. Mm, yes. <laughs> How during the entirety of Jurassic Park, his shirt is just open. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to say, favorite, one of my favorite people, whenever I see him pop up in, this, in any movie, hmm. Ed Begley Jr. Mm. God damn, do I love him. I can see the appeal. <laughs> he's, he's such a just... And out of the duo, I could watch most of the Ed Begley scenes. He has my two favorite gags in this entire film. Okay. Um, oh, we're, 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 I got to know the two. No, I was going to say, do you, do you have any favorite gags? From the, well, oh. just so we can get it out of us right off the bat, because, man, do I want to talk about these. Okay. The scene where John Biner was on the monster's back. From the very beginning of that scene... Till he rolls over into the coffin upside down. You when he does the pro wrestling like springboard into the corner. It was fucking amazing. Nobody does physical comedy anymore. And I love it. I've always loved it. And John Biner's a fucking genius. And I love that one. I also liked it won't talk about an Ed Begley scene where he's climbing the wall and then the ladies that, are walking that past. Is, that is exactly that is probably my favorite gag in the entire film. I was watching it with Kayla last night, and both of us almost fucking died laughing because it's the funniest goddamn thing. He's just playing off, waving and shit. Explain it because it's the best. Okay, he's trying to climb over a wall. It's got to be about ten feet high, and he. Oh, not even. Well, six feet. No, he's is he's what six five? I'd say it's probably about eight foot wall. Okay, yeah, it's barely bigger than Ed Begley Jr. So he pulls himself up and he's about ready to crawl over, and these two peasant ladies walk down the street. So they they cut to the ladies. They cut back them. He has turned around. He's got both his elbows propped up on the wall, and it looks like he's floating like four feet above the ground. And he's just (laughs) hey waving, hey how you doing, giving disco fingers on this wall, just Mm. like three feet off the ground. Mm. It's it's so goddamn funny. And he played it beautifully. He absolutely just like, I'm a dork. Hey, how you doing? Like, nobody's noticing I'm three feet off the ground. It was, it was beautiful. My other favorite gag, and I don't know why, but it fucking slays me, is it's another Ed Begley Jr. Okay. It's toward the end when he meets... Uh, the, uh, Odette? No, the uh, Hyundai. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's standing in front of the swamp, and he climbs up the tree and starts climbing down and just climbs down the front of the Frankenstein monster and just bursts into tears and cries into his chest. I thought I was going to shit my pants laughing. It's so fucking good. And you could see the nod to Mel Brooks and a lot of those because, again, Rudy DeLuca uh, worked with uh, Mel Brooks, wrote with Mel Brooks. Um, he also um, started the uh, uh, improv, the improv, mm-hmm. the, the, the big one in... Uh, in L.A.? Yeah, with uh, Polly Shore's dad. Oh, right. Yeah, he started that. So he had his writing credits up there. It seemed like a dream project that he's finally going to get a fucking movie made, and I thought that was fascinating. Because, again, he'd done all the writing, that kind of stuff. I bet you he had that written for years before he even got it you know, almost produced and then had to get the money from Dow Chemical. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's it's a real shame how this movie came about. Because mm-hmm. if this movie had been made in like 76 or 77, probably when it was written, I think it would have been even funnier. 
because they could have gotten the people that they wanted to get. It, it would have been like way ahead of its time at that point too. I mean, on par with any Mel Brooks film because, like I said, to just go ahead and make a slapstick comedy about monsters, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a slapstick and it's a farce also. And farce is my least favorite type of comedy. But they somehow made it work because usually it's like that comedy of errors. This person doesn't know what this person doesn't know what this person. And they constantly mix the meetups and stuff. That shit bothers me because there's too many moving parts. But somehow this movie dumbed it down <laughs> enough for me to get it so yeah. I could enjoy the farce aspect, which is, again, weird. It, it has almost the exact same kind of sensibilities as Clue. Exactly. It's pretty much like Clue. And that's exactly the farce that I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. It, and all it's doing is replacing Jeff Goldblum with Tim Curry mm -hmm. for Clue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same tone. And like I said, it's fucking brilliant because as I was watching it, it made me realize how much that, like, I'm, why I don't watch comedies anymore. Because I'm so sick of not seeing a written comedy. I don't need to see somebody doing improv and just joke, 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 and then poor edits because they wouldn't shut the fuck up. <clears throat> Joe Rogan, or not Joe Rogan, uh, Seth Rogan. Well, I will tell you, um, conversely, exactly to this point, every scene with John Biner and Carol Kane was completely improvised. But that's a different style of improv. We're used to the, you know, like yeah, you're saying. Yeah, those were complete scenes. Right. Where they didn't cut eight different times. Right, because it's a different form of improv that they were doing at that time. That was more of a true improv rather than a comedy special improv, which was what we're used to seeing now. They used all the methods. In fact, if you take a look at this movie, whoever wasn't an already like an old-timey TV star was from the Groundlings, exactly from the Groundlings, or had worked with the Groundlings, which, again, is an improv group that came out of like the Del Close system. So it was all... It was all intertwined. So we actually got to see improv the way improv was supposed to be done by those two. And that just knocked my socks off. So. And again, just to the credit of this film, at some points, it is just nonstop. Just, and not like I was saying joke, 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 and then they find the edit because you right. know, somebody was just rambling. It's just constant joke, 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 mm -hmm. joke, bit, 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 joke, joke. And it's so goddamn in your face for stretches at a time that when it finally slows down, you're like, oh, all right, I, all right, time to reset while they set up the plot again. And then mm -hmm. it's right back to just joke, 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 joke. I'm going to amend a statement I made earlier. Remember when I said, I love this movie, I wish I could push all the other bits together and pull out Ed Begley? And... Yeah. Well, actually, when I stop and think about it, they were the newcomers, okay? They were basically new to that type of scene. And they're up against the masters, the masters of the craft. And I'm not talking about just the improv. I'm talking about even Joseph Bologna, you know, chewing scenery. Everybody there came from a place. Where, he is amazing. <laughs> exactly. But where everybody did this now, we're talking about these amazing, talented people, the people coming up aren't quite at that level. So to me, they look like shit, but objectively they did a good job. They were just surrounded by a ridiculous amount of talent. And see, I know like Ed Begley Jr., especially around this time, this is kind of his specialty. 
mm-hmm. was just playing the, you know... Nebishy guy? Yeah, the blonde, not nerd, but, you know, just like the straight man, yeah. the regular guy. And he was he's amazing and, at but it. But I wondered, like, does Jeff Goldblum have a background in, like, comedy or improv? I don't know, cause because I, the he, only time I'd ever seen Jeff Goldblum before was in... Um, God, now I can't remember the the Charles Bronson movies where he's just shooting people. Oh, Death Wish. The original Death Wish. He was one of the he was one or one of the Death Wishes. He was like a background thug with a knife uh-huh. and a mohawk and shit. So I don't know what his background is. I know he'd been acting from early, but I don't know if he came from improv or he came from. I mean, he was also in like theater. Earth Girls Are Easy, mm-hmm. but then he's also in The Fly right around this time, which is. Not a comedy. <laughs> Unless you find Cronenberg funny, and then you need to talk to somebody because that's scary. My, my favorite thing that David Cronenberg has ever done is not even his movie. Hmm. Have you ever seen, uh, not Night Watch, uh, oh, fuck, it's the Clive Barker movie. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, where the guy takes off his face. What? Isn't it the one where the one guy takes off his face with a razor blade? Oh, I don't fucking remember. It's, it's such a batshit ass movie. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's the Clive Barker movie, and David Cronenberg is like the evil doctor. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's the best. But Or in The Stupids. <laughs> David Cronenberg was just in The Stupids. I have never seen The Stupids. Tom Arnold. It's fine. Well, okay. I, yeah, it's I John Landis. It. You don't need to watch it. He puts kids in danger again. Yeah, Yay. hard by explosions. Because, you know, don't learn your lesson, John Landis. Mm-mm. Or anyway. at least film in Europe. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to just skip to the end because it's something that really cracks me up. Pretty much the moral of this entire story is just Transylvania's full of dicks. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yes. I was watching it and it was just like, you know, it takes a while and they really spell it out and make it this big kind of dramatic thing. That's also kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But really, if you boil it down, like the moral of the story is just like, yeah, Transylvania's full of dicks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, what was the name of the actor that, that played the mayor? Oh, God. Yeah, the, he's, that's something that I was getting to. Yeah, it's a little problematic. Uh, yeah, he ruins Beetlejuice, too. Yeah. Yeah, this movie has two pretty awful people in it. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, there's convicted pedophile Jeffrey Jones mm-hmm. is in there. Yeah, yep. And, and Michael Richards. Yeah. And you know what I really, really hate, James? Mm. What? And, uh, I, I don't. I don't give a shit. Judge away. They're both really good in this movie. Michael and it Richards really bugs me. I think the reason I've never okay, I've never found Michael Richards' brand of physical comedy funny, because traditionally, a physical comedian they are part of the joke, whereas he's doing the physical comedy at you, and there's a difference in tone that I don't like. You know what I mean? What he's doing is aggressive. What Buster Keaton did was accidental or Peter Sellers when he did his shtick, right? I love Peter Sellers. I do too. But we're talking about the brand of physical comedy. At no time did you ever think that he was honestly doing something at somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas everything that Michael Richards did was invasive and aggressive. And for me personally, <laughs> if he was doing the shtick lab, man, I didn't know it. I'd have kicked him in the teeth, whereas I would have been like Buster Keaton. I'd be like, oh, poor guy, are you okay? Do you see what I'm saying? And that's why I have a tough time with Michael Richards' brand of comedy. That is absolutely fair. I've never thought about it that way. (laughs) 
God damn you. You're absolutely right, because one of the scenes that, like, I, I do think is funny, but yeah, it is invasive and kind it's of... It's transgressive, yeah. Yeah, is the, uh, where he's getting Ed Begley Jr. to smell everything at the table. It, it was both funny and I wanted to kill him. Yeah. yeah. Or, or when Ed Begley Jr.'s walking out and he's, uh, Freos is trying to show him how to slip on a banana peel. Yes. But that's it kind of, uh, that's one of the things that really illustrates the charm of this movie to me is because they didn't have money. Mm-mm. This wasn't an expensive movie. Nope. And, and, and two of my favorite gags are just, shit, what can we do? What's free? Mm-hmm. Oh, I could, I could lean on this wall. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. It <laughs> yeah. was beautiful. Or what are we going to do for this scene? I don't know. I'm pretty good at climbing trees. Ned Begley Jr. climbs that tree like a fucking cat. <laughs> I was amazed. I'm like... Dude, you don't look like you could climb a stepladder. Like, fucking look at him go. Wow. But, yeah, that entire sequence, though, because he climbs the tree, falls down over Hunyadi, and cries into his chest. Just runs the... into the swamp, and the contortionist grabs his ball. Right. The swamp creature. Then, then the wolfman attacks Jeff Goldblum. Oh. Oh, I love the reason for it. Oh, I, I was I'm scared. taking a whiz. Yeah. <laughs> Why did Jack? I was afraid. And I love how they decided to end it because while the Wolfman Wolfman is attacking uh, Jeff Goldblum, Ed Begley Jr. just rides him off into the night. Take me home. Yes. Take me home. Take me home. Take me home. That's what he said. Uh huh. No fucking reason. No. None. Not at all. And I was dying. I was dying laughing. Uh-huh. Um, what is, Metacritics can say what the fuck they want. Belly laugh is a belly laugh. And I'm sitting by myself watching a movie and I'm belly laughing. Like a good, honest fucking, I can't stop, yeah. night at the Apollo laugh. Yes. It's not one of those where I see, again, I want to just kind of reference like newer comedies. And why I stopped watching them was mainly that Apatow style where like, it's kind of a cringy, just dirty line. Like, I'm not against like offensive comedy, but right. in all reality, it's not quite as funny. It's just offensive, and you're right. like, eh, all right. But this kind of shit, yeah. Watching Ed, Be- Ed Begley Jr. ride the Wolfman off into the night, yelling "Take me home," mm-hmm. had me roaring laughing. It, it killed me. Uh, there, there's, and again, there's a thousand tiny bits. You got to understand. When I first saw this movie, I was super fucking excited because it was like watching everybody on the match game episode be in this movie and they had a moment of silence for the mighty norman fell he was in this movie nobody does a take like that guy nobody's got timing like that guy there's no reason for him to be in this movie except hey you want to be in a movie because he knew somebody. Who was Norman Fell? I'm very sorry. Did you ever watch Three's Company? He's Mr. Roper? No, I no. did not. Okay, well. Who it's was one he of the... in the film? Oh, fuck. He was at the very beginning. Oh, was he the, uh, the editor of the newspaper? Yes. Okay, yes. That man is fantastic. That guy's fucking amazing. Amazing. His timing is incredible. They say there's nobody in the business that had timing like Norman Fell. They said his takes were textbook. 
you, you just watch any episode of anything he's doing and you don't care about anything else but what his face is doing at that moment. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Good. Give me crap. I like crap. I love crap. <laughs> just, man, his, yeah, his inflections, his tone, the sharpness with which he speaks, mm-hmm. and his timing is fucking impeccable. I could have used so much more of him in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, then, and again, we're, we're talking about... I had forgotten how much, as a kid... Well, I was always fascinated. The reason I did that whole physical comedy thing is I was fascinated by that from, from the Marx Brothers. The first time I saw him when I was six, and I was fucking hooked. I wanted to be one of the Marx Brothers. I wanted to be Jerry Lewis before I knew what a jerk he was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to be able to do that. I thought it was the fucking coolest thing. So I'd forgotten about John Biner because he hasn't been relevant in how many years mm-hmm. you haven't seen him. I've heard some interviews. The guy's fucking an amazing interview, the funniest guy you ever want to hear. But I'd forgotten how amazing he was because he commits to every bit. Remember when I was telling you about that part where he was clacking his head on everything? Yeah. Anybody else would have stopped doing takes, face takes. They would have stopped doing the ticks. They, they would have stopped trying to duck. They would have just, you know, because that scene went on for a minute. Yeah. At no time, at no time did he ever lose commitment to that bit. Ever. Even the little bullshit he was doing to Carol Kane where they were passing shit back and forth and darling. And, uh-huh. and it looked like everything was planned exactly out. And that's the brilliance of his physicality. And anytime he was on screen, I was just like, I, my jaw would drop. I was just like, how the fuck? How the fuck does anybody do something that well? Yeah, I, this film full of so many good performances. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina Davis. <laughs> Sexy, horny vampire Gina Davis. Yet somehow, like, it was weird. Like, I'm watching this. Sh- everything's on display. And I'm just like, okay. It just didn't even barely ting my radar. Yeah, I was just like, okay, wow. How did they do that? That's Gina fucking Davis. Uh huh. She somehow made her. She's supposed to be this sexy nymphomaniac vampire thing, and you're just like, oh, that's cute. Well, I thought she was hot as shit, but yeah, but this is nah. It was, I think it was just so unsexy. I guess. I just I love when uh, Ed Begley Jr. is tied to the uh, table. He's like, get this belt off me. And she starts undoing his belt. His belt. Mm -hmm. No, not my belt. The belt. Just little shit like that is just, again, it's just those small joke, 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 Mm -hmm. joke, joke, joke that we don't get anymore. And I love watching movies like that because they're so frantic, Mm. but they're cohesive. In fact, now that you mention it, between the talking and the physical comedy, at no time did it let up. It's like going to see Henny Youngman. Joke, 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 you know. But it was cohesive and everything, but it was just never, ever, ever, ever stopped. And even little Phil shots, like when Ed Begley Jr. is walking down the street and that lady walks up to him and just goes, Frankenstein, <laughs> and just laughs at him on the streets. That mm-hmm. doesn't need to be there, but it's so goddamn funny. Well, I love the fact that that, that commitment, again, that commitment to a joke, because they made it funny, then it was ha-ha, then we're like, oh, grown. Then they bring it back, and it's funny again. Nobody does that. Who's got the patience for that anymore to have a joke go on so long that it's funny again? Mm-hmm. So the commitment that they had to the fact that, oh, 
he asked about Frankenstein in the restaurant. And at no time for the next half hour did they let up on fucking with Egg Begley Jr. I was just like, oh, poor Gil. Oh, <laughs> he just fucked up. And everybody in town is now in on it. Anytime anybody sees him, they got to fuck with him. And it's beautiful. Beautiful. So, James, I have a question for you. It's an, I mean, it's hard to talk about comedies because w- other, we're just sitting here quoting bits that we like. Because, yeah. I mean, how else do you really talk about a slapstick, dumb shit comedy like this? But I have a question for you, and here's mm-hmm. something that I think we can kind of sink our teeth into. Do tell. Does this movie benefit from the passage of time? I, I try to look at things through a realistic lens and not let, like, nostalgia really kick in. Mm-hmm. Is this movie funny, or is it just refreshing because it's different from what we've seen for a long time? Hmm. Well, okay, we've got to take into factor nostalgia. I know, that's what I'm saying. Does Memory. this movie benefit, f- like, in, I mean, heavily from nostalgia? Or is it as funny as you and I actually kind of seem to think it is? I will say that, okay, I'll I'll make a point here. My kids are eight, right? My youngest are eight. My oldest is 17. Now, my oldest hasn't seen this yet. But my kids were watching it because I'll put it on just to kind of refresh things. It'll just be on in the background because I'd already seen it. My kids were laughing at at the shtick. They were laughing at the big, easy jokes that were funny to me, but they were also funny to an eight-year-old. Okay, now, that's not nostalgia. They have no frame of reference for this. They barely know the Universal Monsters except as cartoons. They really don't have my nostalgia for the physical comedy or for having watched all these people growing up because we had four channels, okay? They didn't benefit from any of that, yet they still found funny parts of it. So objectively, is it funny? Yes. Is it as funny as I think it is? Probably not. Because, I mean... What you were talking about, you know, all the faces that you recognize, and you're a little bit more familiar with them than I am, because a lot of the, you said those people are back from the '70s, and well, you know they were I've, they were night, a lot of them were nightclub comedians that made the transition to television, because like between like up till about '65, nightclubs were the shit. You want to do anything? Everybody went to nightclubs, and that's where all the comedians and stuff came from. And then they went to like Flip Wilson and. You know, pardon me, all, all those um, early, you know, TV shows, uh, variety acts. So when they were running out of money, they put them on game shows. And then they started casting a lot of them in movies. And you got to see the talent that they honed for 20 years that you didn't get to see. So we benefit now, or we're benefiting even now. I would, even with my bias towards physical comedy... I would take a kid and, and have them watch John Biner, and I guarantee you they're going to laugh at one point. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that, but that is a huge skill that he brought to this, this movie that objectively is a piece of shit. Yeah. Okay? It's not great. One of my favorite things is it's supposed to be set in Transylvania, and all the sign, every single sign is just in English. Mm-hmm. No attempt. No. They didn't even try. And I think that's part of its charm, but... Back to, like, talking about nostalgia is, you know, I, I I haven't watched a lot of the television from the 70s, but, you know, growing up, 
seeing Ed Begley Jr. in, you know, goofy-ass movies like this when I was a kid and, you know, growing up with uh, Jeff Goldblum being, you know, Jeff Goldblum. Right. It It's hard for me to kind of look past that and go, well, is this funny? Because I, I objectively find those two hilarious <laughs> just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. And just, but I think, like, to your point, that it is very funny because even in the... Uh, newspaper office at the beginning. All the newspaper articles that were hung up on the walls were goddamn hilarious. Mm-hmm. What, what was one of them? The uh, I was dead for a week and I liked it. <laughs> and even at the very end of the movie, they brought the newspaper back. Uh huh. When they put the you know, um, vampire sucks town dry. Uh huh. I mean, some of the humor is problematic. Yes. Okay. Even of its time, even in 85, some of the shit that they were saying was already like, mm. oh, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, no, 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 no. But again, that movie was probably written in 75. Yeah, probably. And at that time, those jokes would fly because we were <laughs> sexist fucking pigs. Yep. Okay. So the transition came to 85 when they finally made this movie. And by that time, I'm sure Mr. DeLuca was not taking any shit about script changes, motherfucker, because I've been working on this forever, and you can all eat a bowl of dick. Yeah, I think you're giving the 80s a bit too much credit as far as being well, we're talking 80 to women. No, but comparatively. 75 to 85 is a world of fucking difference as far as that goes. Right. So a lot of those jokes still wouldn't fly in 85. I'm not saying they were super PC, but some of them were just like, dude. Oh, oh dear. Oh, mm, no. And that's what I was kind of wondering. Um, do you remember this movie from I, when it was released? I, okay, when this movie was released, I was in boot camp. Oh, all right. Well, and for I the mean, next four years, it didn't exist. I think I tried to watch it about 10 years ago. And I just, it was god-awful. But then again, I was about two handles deep in some vodka, so I don't fucking know. Fair. So. But that's what I'm saying is that there's, there's a, these movies are almost a dime a dozen. These weird fucking 80s. And again, I still love that, you know, this was an actual concept. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just kind of a remake of whatever else. New comedy. Right. But there's tons of these in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of these very same people. Yep. So that's why I was wondering if the general disregard for this film was due to uh, saturation of the market mm. in 85 with a lot of these types of films. Because, I mean, there's well, look Buckaroo's what else was Oh, There's your Buckaroo's okay. Bonsai. There's your Earth Girls Are Easy. <sighs> also with Jeff Moment Goldberg. of silence for the fucking Buckaroo Bonsai. God, I love that movie. Anyway, yeah, sorry. There, there's multitudes of just these wild ass, off the wall, weird science, just these okay, goofy but, ass '80s movies. Yeah, but I, I would have to say that um, a lot of the movies that you're mentioning are outliers that never really hit hit, and the only reason that they got around is because of the video cassette market. Because prior to that, fucking, there's three movies to see. One of them's Transylvania Six Five Thousand. We're going to see it because we haven't seen it. Right. It's not like I can rent it. Right. You know, movies were a deal because fucking if you want to see a movie, you had to go see a movie. So I think that there was a different market to this. I think not having done huge amount of research except into thought, shit I thought was cool, I probably did pretty well on the rental market. Right. But what I'm saying is that I don't 
when people throw around, you know, like these goofy ass '80s movies, like, oh, have you seen, you know, Buckaroo Banzai? Right. Nobody ever really brings up Transylvania Six Five Thousand. I think because because of the niche genre that it was in. Because if we take a look at Buckaroo Banzai, that was fucking insane from start to finish. Uh huh. Okay. And it was an outlier movie. That movie took forever to get made. It was just a weird little thing that happened. Earth Girls Are Easy was uh, more of a bigger budget, more of a, yeah. a Hollywood thing. And it was easier to write off. You see what I'm saying? But it's more memorable because of the bigger budget. All right. So it, it looked for that. So a lot of these movies were outliers. But this movie in particular was trying to be a movie movie. It was trying more for... You know, this was, it, I'm, and I'm guessing it was Rudy DeLuca's last hoorah. Yeah. So he fucking pounded this, to, you know, so this was marketed as a movie movie as opposed to, hey, look at this weird culty thing. Yeah, this does feel closer to like Blazing Saddles than mm-hmm. Bill and Ted. Exactly. So I think that was waning. That, that, that sensibility was, I mean, he was pushing the way edge to try to make a movie movie like that. Because around here is about when Mel Brooks kind of dropped off, too, for a little while. Yeah, yeah, because it didn't come back, what, till Spaceballs? No, he yeah. did uh, History of the World, then then Spaceballs, and that was... Oh, yeah, maybe I just don't know my timeline of Mel Brooks, <laughs> like, the years when Mel Brooks' shit came out. Yeah, well, because as growing up, I, from, like, History of the World... Fantastic film. I fucking... We had to wait. We had to wait. I, there wasn't like this giant Mel Brooks library. So the only reason I can remember, semi-remember a timeline because it was a big fucking deal. You know what I mean? Even when he did Silent Movie, which is, yeah. <laughs> is what it is. But when it, I found out... It exists. <laughs> Mel Brooks was on it. I begged, begged, begged my mom to go see that movie. So it was a huge deal. But that, again, this this thing that was kind of a Mel Brooks movie, it it was on the tag end of what that was working because Mel Brooks had to change his entire paradigm to keep an audience because he couldn't keep he, he had to do similar shit, but he couldn't do exactly the same shit because times change. So that yeah, yeah, that would kind of explain why nobody really gets around to this. But I would think with like. And this might just be because I'm a big fan of his. Am I over? Like overstating Jeff Goldblum's popularity? Well, no, because Jeff Goldblum was marketable. He may not have been the top, top star, but if you put him in anything, people would come to see the movie because he was in it. Yeah. And that was it. He wasn't, like I said, top marketable, but he was a guy that, oh, shit, we got a movie, maybe, maybe not. He, he was like the plumber. <laughs> He's going to come in and fix your movie. If you need funding, you get some Jeff Goldblum, we get a little extra money, we can get the movie in. Is that how Deep Cover got made? That's exactly how Deep Cover got made. Fuck, we're screwed. He Who is, can we get? He is one of those dudes that like, I look at and I'm like, you lucky motherfucker. How did you, how did you get to where you are? Because just seeing interviews with him, he is one of the weirdest people you could hope to meet. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love him. Like, he's not like dangerous kind of weird it's just one of those very tactile he moves around a lot and has a very strange way of speak like well you dr ian malcolm was pretty much like what he is in real life i think spielberg just let him fly with jurassic park you have to understand a younger james with more hair 
I talk with my hands a lot and I enunciate funny. Guess who, guess who got compared to Jeff Goldblum enough to annoy the fuck out of me for me not to like him in movies? There's a personal reason I don't like Jeff Goldblum. Right, but I'm... It's not anything obvious, but if not, now that I mention it, you're going to see it once in a while. I say, but is that something where, again, like, I, I'm thinking that Jeff Goldblum is more popular than he really is, like, in this day and age? No, he's... And that people should be talking about his weird old movies more? Or is Jeff Goldblum, again, not as important as I think he is? I think that Jeff Goldblum is kind of like one of those... He's, he's got a distinct look. How many Goldblums are in Hollywood? So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He's kind of an everyman actor. He's in a lot of things. His star rose extremely slowly. Very slowly, but he always worked. He's, everybody knows who he is. You're comfortable with him. It's kind of like uh, Tom Hanks now. So you know you he... go see a movie because Tom Hanks is in it. Before you go, oh, Goldblum's in it. How bad could it be? He's in it. He, he's, and, and I don't mean like in any sort of like physicality way at all. He's almost like a John Goodman in that way, where it's almost like a stamp of like, all right, this is going to be at least pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. I mean, if, if I see that Jeff Goldblum's in something, I go, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll fucking give it a shot. At Goldblum, least he'll be entertaining. A stamp of, eh, how bad could it be? He's <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah, and it's just like seeing anything that Goodman's in. It's just like, no, it's probably pretty good. John Goodman decided to do it. So can you imagine the amount of talent it takes to make everybody around you look that good to make you look good? That's got to be a very, very odd and specific talent. Yeah. That's because there are people exactly. You can throw them into any group of people and either they elevate the other people or somehow coax a performance out of whatever's happening to make it intrinsically better. Yeah. And it's, again, that's amazing to watch. That's why I love the Carol Kane, John Biner, um, the Norman Fell, the, the guy who played the monster, the reaction faces, the, that every single solitary beat of every one of those, just wow. Uh-huh. It's, one of my favorite performances, though, is Dr. Malavacqua. <laughs> Oh. My God, is he good. When he pulls the hair out? Yes, Joseph Bologna, or Bologna, or yeah, Joey Bologna. Anyway, yeah, he pulls his hair back. Why don't you sit down? Oh, my God, you're here, here have something to drink. Well, let me get you a... And then his, he pulls his hair back out and does the mad scientist hair, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. What are you doing, you crazy idiot? And, and it, it threw me because I've in my head when I was first watched the movie, Dr. Malavacqua, I didn't get that he was Sicilian. I'm sitting there going, why the fuck does this guy go on? I'm going to the Alparca with like the most fucking cartoony. It's so jarring. It is so jarring. And, and it was an Italian person doing a shtick accent, like a fucking cartoon. Like if anybody else did that, that would be racist. He did exactly that. Like it's a me, Mario. It was fucking like, it was like that. It's insane. It was, uh, it was like Dr. Lizardo. John Lithgow's Dr. Lazardo in Buckaroo Banzai. Because when the hair was down, he was fine. When the hair came out, fucking just the fur flew and scenery, scenery got fucking chewed, man. Like, one of it, it genuinely is one of my other favorite bits is when he's fighting with Jeff Goldblum. And uh, was it Loopy tells him, like, you have to get him out or out of the, or Odette says, you have to get him out of the lab. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they get out of the lab, he stops and, like, combs his hair back. He's like, I'm so sorry for this indiscretion. And starts apologizing profusely. 
Well, why don't you come back, come in for an espresso, please. Let me, I'm going to kill you. The funny thing is when he finally, the weirdest thing that I noticed in this whole movie, and it was, I don't know why it stuck in my head, but at the end when he was all, his hair was all down and he was, you know, everybody was kumbayaing and everybody's standing. You cut to him and he's got this big old cross that I'd never seen before in a whole movie. And all of a sudden he's wearing this big cross on his speech. After old boy, after Frankenstein was oddly trussed up, I'm like, wait, what the, why are you putting this fucking weird Catholic shit at the end of this? What is wrong? One of my other very, and I know, again, it's hard to talk about comedy without just like just talking about bits, but just seeing the image of a giant Frankenstein monster sitting in a barn with an abducted girl just playing cards. Mm -hmm. I loved it. It cracked me up so hard. Every humanizing scene, too, because I, we've, I don't know if you, we, I'm sure you noticed, you watched all the old Universal movies, even the crappy ones. Yeah. Fucking Lawrence Malbert Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and his friend Mon Chaney. What the fuck? <laughs> I loved it. It was so bad. It was so bad. I loved it. My other favorite Dr. Malavacqua moment is where he's screaming at the Wolfman, and the Wolfman just goes, Argh! Argh! All right, enough of that barking shit. And just like starts yelling at him, What are you doing down there anyway? I had to take a whiz. And just seeing him have a conversation with what we know are led to believe at the time is just the wolf man. Mm -hmm. But, and, and also to that point though, the, the nods to the actual thing, like how they framed some of the scenes, um, some of the scenes where he's coming, when the um, little girl had the flowers. So they, you could tell they loved the old universals, even though no matter what they did with it, you could see the love there. And that's what made me appreciate it. If it had just been making fun of them, I probably wouldn't have had as good a time in this movie. So they kept the tone right. Because mm -hmm. there's so much you could have fucked up. Because this movie, again, is objectively not a great movie. No. But they could have really fucked this up. Oh, very, very badly. Mm -hmm. And that's, what I'm, that's why I asked the question, like, is this movie not as funny as we think it is? Because, I mean, you don't get a 10 on Metacritic by accident. Yeah, but we're talking about okay. We we criticize films, yes, obviously, right? Uh huh. But we don't just sit there and pick on to pick on because we can find the rose in the pile of shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so they don't benefit from that. That doesn't sell newspapers or blog space or whatever the fuck they sell anymore. Yeah. So I don't traditionally trust critics in general. There are a few that I appreciate because their tastes are similar, right? And yes. I will listen to them, but in general, fucking critic score means bubbly shit to me. I, I got to know somebody who's seen the movie. Yeah, and it, again, this is one of those films that if you wanted to be a dick, I, I can't even think of any because why would you look for any? You could probably find plot holes, but why would you bother? No. That, that would, why? It's, yeah, it's a zany, stupid slapstick movie, and that's what I don't understand because it's, this is one of the most fun that I've had watching a movie for this podcast in a while. Yeah. Just, just flat out fun. Because we've watched horror comedies, like, and we watch movies that are really, really good, too, sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't think I've had this much fun since we did, like, Housebound. Oh, I know. And, and this, for me, was even more fun because 
There was absolutely no dread in this movie. No. None whatsoever. It was just, again, nonstop joke, joke, shtick, joke, 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 shtick. Yeah. Loved it. It just ha- so happens that it has monsters in it, which is why we're allowed to talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> Take that. Sticking it to the man. Yes. Really skirting the rules. Mm-hmm. Because well, our rules are hard and fast. The bosses are going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. The suits are going to have notes. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> Which is what I think they said to the suits in this movie. Mm-hmm. We don't but, need Junior's thinking money. Thou's paying for it. Yeah. They got to launder their dinars through Yugoslavia, motherfucker. Yeah. That mm. is a real shame that this movie is just kind of a front. Yeah. <laughs> the tax shelter. So the, the Dow Chemical Corporation could say that they just like contributed to the arts. Mm-hmm. This is one big tax write-off. And plus, again, they could launder their money through the economy because they couldn't spend their dinars anyplace else. Yep. So they get their cash and American dollars on the back end. Yeah. And like I said, the only real bummer about this movie is Jeffrey Jones and Michael Richards. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if that means that you can't watch a movie because, you know, they're horrible people. Yeah, I get it. I, I it's the same that reason too. that I won't watch anything with Klaus Kinski. Oh no, man! Do I love Werner Herzog? But I, I don't need to even look at that man. Right. So I mean, I get it. If nobody wants to watch Transylvania Six Five Thousand, absolutely. And and again, we we're gonna continue the conversation about how or where we draw lines from you know the artist to the art. Yes. Because I think it's a really important subject that. It needs yeah. to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. The, neither, those two people are... Michael Richards less so because he was a comic who choked and just yelled racist shit because he didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But he still yelled racist shit. And never what, really, really went, hey, my bad. Yeah. What Jeffrey Jones has done is really despicable, though. Absolutely. And so, yeah. He also ruins Beetlejuice. Yep. And Mom and Dad Save the Universe. Yep. And, and plenty of other movies. Yeah. So So on that dour note. <laughs> however, I didn't even really know he was in this movie. And I was needy in this movie. I don't know if I would have said no because John fucking Miner's in this movie. Yeah. And Norman Fell. If, and Carol Kane. If, we're, if you're going to take anything away from this film, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Just go watch the theme song, because this movie has a theme song. Transylvania 6. 5,000. Transylvania 6. Ooh. Oh. Man. Oh. It's the goddamn best. Mm, mm, mm. But let's all... <laughs> yeah, all right. We don't need to start talking about society of the 80s. They'd always remember when we talk about the 80s that, no, it was still not a great time. Oh, no, no. But, but either way, James. Yes. Any final thoughts on Transylvania 6 5000? Should people watch it? I think we've made our point on that excessively clear, but final um, thoughts? For a good, stupid time. This is a great movie. I think this is, again, a party movie you put on in the background. You got people over. Mm-hmm. And um, there's enough visually arresting that you can go, oh, huh. And um, more to the point on the funniness, I think that there are universal com- there's universal comedy tones mm-hmm. that they hit. It, it, it doesn't matter your age group, ethnicity, anything. There's something there for you you will find funny because 
they never let up on the jokes. Yep. Ever. So you're going to find something funny in this movie. The the only way that this, I think, anyway, that this movie could really be ruined for you is if you want to really just be a hard ass. Yeah. But this is not a movie yeah, for hard then, asses. Then, yeah, then this definitely is not the film for you. This does not beg your critiques, sir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't really beg for ours either. Nah. But, you know. Hey, but it's, I will say that I had read a couple reviews just to see what the, you know, you know, test the water, see what other people thought. Oh, what did you what did you come across? Because I didn't do that. Sometimes I do that for films. I just saw uh, flipping through to look through at the cast that like, ooh, that's in the red. Ooh, and it's a very low in the red. Yeah, well, it's just kind of like, oh, trotting out the oldsters and the old themes again, beating this dead horse, blah, blah, blah. Um, some talent wasted. It could have been, you know, it was just a, a, a boring nod to Universal. Just uh, just real, it was bland. They didn't say anything real bad about it, but they were just like, eh. Oh, so it was people that didn't actually, like, watch the movie. Well, they were supposed to. At that time, movie critics kind of supposed to have had watched the entire movie. Yeah, because, like, again, to your point, you're going to find something that you like. Mm-hmm. And I think... I don't know, just because of the Odette stuff, I don't know if I'd watch, like, real little kids watch it, because her tits are definitely popping up. Oh, yeah. But take a look at what kids watch on a general basis at this point. Yeah. What they have seen just randomly. Yeah. You know, because we watch movies It's, it's tamer TV. than Gremlins, I'll say that. Right, but we watch movies and shit's happening on the screen. Kids are walking back and forth. I don't know if you do, but I do. My TV's on. I'm watching. Kids are walking past the... I, I know they're seeing stuff. I engender conversation about it if they've got, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think for what kids have seen at this age because of the amount of information we get, this is tame. This is a tame, you know. It's not anything they haven't seen on Halloween. Yeah, and it's Gina Davis's tits are pop. I mean, they're out there, but they're they're very much covered. Absolutely. So, I again... It depends on your kid and what you do. Right. My kids are watching it. I don't care. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I checked. I was like, yeah, should I show this to the five year old? And like, yeah, I don't. I don't see why not. I guess there's nothing scary in it. It's not spooky. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. Like you said, you're gonna find something in it, young and old. Yeah. So again, I would suggest it for a background movie. I think that it would be interesting. Is have you had it on? You've got a random amount of people in there. See what they find funny. And it does end with a positive message, actually, kind of. Yeah, well, an acceptance of, you know, differences. And these guys are schmucks. Why don't we not have schmucks in office? That would be a good idea. That would might be nice. Uh huh. You know. So yeah. Ah, perfect film. Mm, Yeah, perfect film. Minus the racist and the pedophile. Perfect film. Oh, and and the rampant sexism. But yeah, it's great. And the bad sets and the occasional bad acting. Mm-hmm. And the jokes that don't land. Oh, they Other thun. than those things. But it's like this. Perfect film. If you shoot a shotgun, a bird shot at a wall, yeah. a bunch of them are going to bounce off, but a whole bunch of shit's going to stick. All right. Uh, James, what yes. have we got to plug? Nothing Good. at this point, but I do have some internet and I got some shit in the works. So, Girl. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Getting me all rigid. Yes. That means hard. I know. 
Uh, you can still check us out on our Facebook groups yes. and Instagram page. Uh, you can send us an email at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com if and you would be so inclined. <laughs> well, I'll probably answer you. I do declare we would enjoy that quite more than we should. Oh, Mr. Beauregard. I do believe I have the vapors. This flower is a Wilton. It is hot as fuck in here. We should really wrap this up. I am Wilton like a magnolia blossom at dusk. We, we have been doing... Fucking... God damn you. <laughs> We've done nothing but say words, and I am pouring sweat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very little movement on my part, thank you. Are we just going to continue the Cajun accent? <laughs> I don't think that was Cajun. I think that was antebellum. <laughs> Nary y'all was spoken this evening. Or rich Virginia landowner. I used to do that to Molly all the time. <laughs> Give her the... I, all right. Pro tip out there. If you ever want to make a woman laugh while saying horribly inappropriate things... Talk to her like a Civil War letter from a Ken Burns documentary. Oh, I love that shit. My dearest Abigail, how I long for the touch of your bosom. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. It's the best. Indeed it is. While this war is long and raging, it is nowhere near as raging as the memo between my legs when I remember the soft touch of your silky white skin. Mm. <laughs> Should we get the fuck out of here? Keep your whole filthy paws off my silky drawers. <laughs> this has been quite enough. Indeed. <laughs> it's hot. Good night. We've lost our goddamn mind. I think it's about done. Yeah, sure. Is. Good night. Terrified.